Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. My name is Steve Jones. Today on the program we have uh, an artist that I'm really a big fan of and so I was really happy that uh, that he uh, agreed to do an interview and um, that is Eric Hutchinson. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, as we go forward. Um, But um, first off, let me let you know how you can uh, get a hold of Concert Pipeline. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Concert Pipeline pod. Uh, and that's where you get lots of exclusive goodies as well. You can see live performances from um, some of the artists that are, uh, that are on the program and, um, and a lot of visual uh, components that you don't exactly get from uh, the podcast itself. Um, so definitely check that out. Um, you can also follow Concert Pipeline on Twitter at Concert Pipeline and uh, subscribe to the podcast, write good comments, all that good stuff. Definitely any way you can support, um, that's the way to do it. Um, tell your friends also. If you tell five friends about Concert Pipeline and have, us, uh, have them follow us as well, then that helps get the word out. So definitely, definitely should do that. Um, I want to dedicate this episode to uh, my late puppy, um, I guess he's not. It wasn't a puppy anymore. It was uh, 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 an old dog that I had when I was in high school, and so it wasn't really my dog anymore. It was uh, my mom and sister's dog. Um, his name is Poco, and uh, today he had to be put down. Uh, so it was uh, I'm pretty sad for for my mom, and it, it was long overdue. He's fifteen. He was like fifteen years old, so. Um, definitely was time he was blind and deaf and uh, and it's one of those things that just you know when the time comes the time comes so um, it's, it needed to be done and um, but this uh, we're thinking good thoughts for for Poco today so um, so this episode goes out to him and um, Joe Wilson as you can tell is not here right now they did just uh, his family did just move to Napa though which is awesome so he's local now and um, and hopefully he'll be able to be on the next episode of Concert Pipeline. Um, speaking of the next episode of Concert Pipeline, we have some great, great, awesome interviews um, coming up, um, which, I, I mean, I'm just so excited with the lineup that um, that we have right now. It's been a, an exciting month for, for me as far as uh, interviewing some really good artists. And, um, of course, Eric Hutchinson on this program. Next week we're going to have G-Love and Special Sauce on the program, which uh, which will be a lot of fun. Um, I did a phone interview with him and talked to him for like a half an hour while he was uh, just hanging out in his hotel room before his show out on the East Coast. So um, so I'll get to hear uh, that next week. And then uh, the week after, we actually have Atlas Genius, which is um, also really cool. They sold out a show at the Independent in San Francisco, and I'm interviewing them um as well for the program they have uh they have a very popular song uh called trojans uh and uh definitely recommend checking that out and so good good stuff coming up and uh and a lot of great music as well so um so i think uh um we should really get into the the meat of the program um i want to talk about uh, eric hutchinson a little bit um i've been a fan of his uh since um i saw him about eight years ago when he opened up for Jack's Mannequin. And I think I mentioned that in the interview as well. So you'll get to hear about that. And um, he just has a great stage presence. He plays the keyboard and the guitar as well. Um, and his I mean, his live performance is just really exemplary. He, uh, he gets really into it. He interacts with the crowd. He has a great time. He uh, 
uh, he is, there's parts of his set that are kind of spontaneous and um, and his um, his whole band has a, an ex, uh, any, a great amount of energy I guess you can say is the best way to put it um, on stage so uh, so aside from the album and the music being really catchy and great um, he uh, um, he puts a lot into his live shows as well, which I which I love because this is concert pipeline. This is what we're talking about. I love. I mean, it's about the concerts, right? So, um, so that's really awesome. Um, I've seen him um, a couple of times as well. Past that, and probably a small handful of times after uh, after that as well. And, um, and uh, he always he always brings the thunder. He played at City Winery in Napa uh, in December last year, and then um, and then again. This um, in, in the past week or two, um, he played City Winery, and that's where I did the interview with him. And it, uh, I didn't have anything set up with him really in advance. I had interviewed Tess Henley, his opener. Um, I, I had that set up um, to to happen. And the night before, I just tweeted him. I said, "Hey, uh, Erica, you, you free to do an interview uh, at City Winery? I'm um, I'm going to be interviewing Tess Henley also." And he said yes. So um, I, I want to send a message out there to everybody to l- just let you all know that you don't get anything if you don't ask, right? Um, and it's just really awesome. I, I don't go around tweeting a lot of bands to try and get interviews. That's not the way I do it. But um, but I did ask him, and he was more than gracious to do it. And um, but he he actually um, was really excited to be on the podcast also, which um, I mean, uh, and I'm humble for for that sort of thing because he was playing Staples Center like earlier in the week, and and that's just I mean it's as big as it gets, and uh, and he's just so gracious to um, to do that sort of thing. So um, so that was really great of him, and I was really happy to have him on the the. Um, the podcast is uh, music really resonates with me and it's really catchy and you can sing along to every song sort of thing. And so um, I want to start it out with uh, um, with one of the songs that he played that night. And uh, that is going to be It's All Over Now. And then we'll get into the interview. <laughs> Ooh, seems more like every day. Ooh, she has so 
hello, hello, hello. Sounding good. All right. All right. You get that because that goes all the way. Yeah, let's see if it. There we go. With some effort. <laughs> cool. Okay, here with Erica Hutchinson backstage at City Winery in Napa. How are you doing today, Eric? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Hey, thanks for being on the program. So are you based in Napa? I actually am. I live like five miles from here. Oh, that's so convenient. It, it is. I, yeah. I mean, I cover concerts all in the Bay, but it's really nice when it's right in your backyard. You yeah, know? that's easy. It's <laughs> it's fun coming through here for sure. It always kind of feels like a, a little vacation, you know. It's hard not to uh, get excited here. Yeah, you're here in December. Mm-hmm. And uh, so what, what do you do today? Uh, I went and did a couple of wineries and checked some stuff out and um, then did sound check and then I'm doing a, a VIP thing that we do in a few minutes and uh, it's okay. It's, don't even worry about it, Maggie. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> Sounds good. So, uh, so you like the wineries here? You you know you like to partake in the wine and uh, make yourself at home in the Napa culture, huh? Yeah, it's fun. I've come here a couple of times. I did New Year's here a couple of years ago, and um, it's just, you know, I, I dig that it's like a small town, but then at the same time, there's so many people coming through here and all kinds of stuff happening. So it's, you know, it's it's a little different for us, and um, we always look forward to these shows. Yeah, and so uh, you're from New York, though. Mm-hmm. Um, do you still live in that little apartment uh, that you talked about, like in your live album, where you can't <laughs> play music on... <laughs> I have moved since that one. Yeah, I had a, for those who haven't heard, I had a frustrated neighbor underneath me that got tired of me stamping my foot really hard all the time. And um, uh, I've moved and I'm still, you know, I just learned how to how to stamp less or to put a towel underneath or something like that. But, you know, got to gotta worry about the neighbors always. You got to look out for them. But you got to also, <laughs> you know, thrive with your musical, you know, what, what gets you where you're going, right? So I know. Screw those guys. Yeah. Well, I want to let you know that um, I've been a fan of yours for like eight years. Oh, since cool. Since I saw you open up for Jackson Mannequin mm. back at Slim's. Yeah, that was, a while, that was a while ago. It was. And so, I mean, your, your music's great. Your live performance is incredible. Thank you. And you really are really engaging to the audience. And so tell me a little bit about how, you know, what goes into your live performance, how you prepare for that. Um, for me, I just, you know, I've had a lot of conversations with my band about it, but to me, it's like, we are here to give people a good time. And my favorite concerts that I've ever gone to over the years, I barely remember what they played, but I more remember about is how I felt. And so for me, that's, that's what we're trying to go after is I want people leaving feeling good. And like, they, they'd like some more of that, you know? And, um, so that takes energy though, because you know, for me, my most of my day is about when I'm on tour is about conserving my. I think of myself like a like a quarterback or something like that. You know, I've got a specific time I got to perform, so all the most of the day is about not using my energy so that when I get on stage, I can just give a hundred percent and just really leave it all out there. Yeah. yeah. Now um, we have something in common. Um, we were actually both born in Washington D.C. Really? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. So I mean, knowing that, would you say that you know greatness comes out of Washington D.C.? Um, yeah, knowing you, now that you, now I know that you're there, yeah, definitely. Um, DC's an interesting city, it doesn't have a ton of music stuff, but Marvin Gaye's from there, Dave Grohl's from near there, um, Duke Ellington, um, but yeah, you know, I think I learned a ton growing up there because my area was really diverse culturally, and, and so I think I heard a lot of different kinds of music and met a lot of different kinds of people, and, um, you know, I think all that stuff has found its way into my songs. And, and so when did you know that you wanted to be a musician and this is what you wanted to do with your life? Um, 
You know, I was into music from as long as I can remember. I, my family was very musical, and they used to. There was always music playing in the house, and um, I wrote my first song when I was eight, and performed at a like a family block party thing pretty early. So it was always kind of going on. But then I, I went to college to do film instead because I sort of felt like, oh, music's just going to be my hobby. But it just kind of kept coming back to me, and I got out of school and just felt like, you know what, I got to try this, and I got to really dig in here. Yeah. So tell me about how uh, sounds like this. Your first real album uh, came out. How did? Uh, tell me about the making of that and uh, and going into the studio and you know where you like to write that sort of. Yeah. Um, that album was uh, very liberating for me. I had just been parting ways with my record label, which you know I sort of thought getting signed to this label was going to be my ticket to superstardom, and then I got dropped a few months later. So I had to feel like I had something to prove to myself. So I made the album on my own independently and, and on my own terms. And, and uh, you know, that there's something really gratifying about that. So, and then in a lot of ways I've just finished, I'm finishing up a new album now. And uh, I think it's a similar vibe of just me really finding my way in it. And um, that's, to me, you know, that's the most fun way to discover art. And so this new album that you're working on, is it something that you do while you're on the road? Do you kind of have to be in a certain spot to kind of, you know, reach that that spot where you can be most creative? Well, we're on tour all summer with Kelly Clarkson and Pentatonix. So I knew pretty early in the year this tour was happening and it was going to be a large chunk of time. It's 10 or 11 weeks, which is the longest I've done in a row. So I had some time earlier in the year and I was like, you know what, I want to just take advantage of this. And I recorded in New York where I live, which I hadn't done before. And, um got a lot of it done it's all it's almost done so uh, i'm excited that people hear it and we're playing one of the new songs tonight so what's the name of that song it's called anyone who knows me oh. it's kind of the i've got a lot of upbeat stuff but i've always been trying to write sort of a, a super ballad and and i feel like this is the song i've been trying to write my whole career kind of Oh, that's awesome. And so what what do you think the projection is for when, when we should hear, you know, this new... Uh, I'm not sure, either end of this year or, or beginning of next year or something. So just waiting for a couple of pieces to fall under line. Yeah. And so how's the tour going with Kelly? Oh, it's been great. It's like uh, summer camp, you know. it's There's like 150 people and four bands and 10 buses and 20 trucks. And it's just like being back there is just a really fun community vibe and I just try and stay out of the way and get on stage when I need to and um, we've been, you know, it's fun for me going out on stage as a stranger and then leaving with a bunch of new friends. So um, I'm having a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, do you, I mean, you've, because you've toured with Kelly before, do you find that it's, you know, uh, I mean, I guess you called it like camp, right? So it's, uh, you, you see a lot of the same people on the road and, you know, in the same yeah. locations you've been to before? Uh, yeah, some somewhat. Um, you know, if I do say so myself, I feel like my show is better now than it was when I toured with Kelly before. And, and I think we're seeing that in the reaction we get from the fans every night and, uh, you know, people really getting involved and clapping and singing. And, and that's really, I mean, that's like the hardest thing to do to get people to pay attention to music they don't know. So anytime we can get anyone to even make eye contact and show me they're listening, I feel like, you know, we're making progress. Yeah. So your most recent album is Pure Fiction. Mm -hmm. um, so tell me a little bit about the process that and how it for that and how it differentiated for, for you creatively um, based upon your past, past albums. Yeah, that album was a lot of growing pains for me. It was, I've got a specific way that I always thought about writing and, and recording songs. And, and that album was a lot of like, learning to break those rules and learning to be comfortable with that. And, and what's been interesting to me is how much that has extended into my whole life of like, maybe I don't have to do things this way. Maybe I can do them this way and trying to find some freedom and excitement in that. So, um, 
you know, I'm really proud of the album and people have been, you know, it's been out for a little bit now and it's nice when we do these kind of shows like tonight where the album's been out so people know the songs and they can really enjoy it and, um, you know, I'm just, I'm really proud of the record. Yeah. And how long have you been with this iteration of the band? Um, we've been touring together for about a year now, different, different people, different amounts of times, but this, this specific group is, is a really fun group. We get along really well and I think everyone, we have really different backgrounds of music so everyone brings something different. And, you know, everyone gets that thing that I was talking about before, just like, let's just put on the best show ever. And, and uh, you know, they're all for it, and everyone's got ideas they bring to the table. So it's it's a lot of fun for me as, a, as the band leader that way. Yeah. So what, what sort of things do you like to do when you're on tour um, traveling around the country? Um, I'm trying to go to every baseball stadium in the country. I, I just I think hit, I'd heard you were trying that before, yeah. Yeah, I hit San Diego the other night, and that was the 24th out of 30. So... I'm not sure if I'm going to hit any other ones this year. Unfortunately, it's always like I, like to, I still got to get Miami, which I'm there a lot, and, and Atlanta and stuff. So that's really fun. And and I just spend most of my time thinking about food and asking people where to eat and and going out and finding something delicious. You know, what sort of things do you seek out to eat? I like stuff that's local and authentic and just something I can't get somewhere else. You know, like the last thing I want to do when I'm in a place I've never been before is go eat at Applebee's. You know, I want to. Tell me what the thing around here that the locals only know about is. Yeah, yeah. So where, where were you the first time you heard yourself on the radio? You know, it's funny. I don't really hear myself that much. Even last night, I came in onto the bus, our tour bus, and um, there's a commercial using my song right now. And, I mean, I missed it by 10 seconds. And the band goes, you just missed the commercial. And that, that happens, like, almost all the time. Like, I almost never hear the music, which is okay with me. I, I hear it plenty. So. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. It's cool. Um, so what what sort of things are you listening to right now? You know what I'm into right now is this girl Jess Glynn who is uh she's British. She's kind of like the British Lauren Hill or something. She's it's it's modern. She sang that song with Clean Bandit called Rather Be If You Gave Me a Chance I Would Take It. But she's really soulful. And uh you know, I've been digging into that stuff. It's it's cool, but it's also pretty pretty modern and and uh yeah, I'm liking that. Yeah, and what are your thoughts about like where the music industry is compared to when you kind of started? Um, you know, you hear a lot of people out here talk about how it used to be better, and I, I don't know. You know, all we've got is what we've got now, and music's pretty cool right now. There's a lot of great stuff. There's a lot of good stuff from the past, but I think it's a really fun time to be making pop music, and um, I, I like making music in 2015. Is there someone you'd want to record with that you haven't yet? I'd like to record with uh, Brandy Carlisle, who I've been getting into her stuff a lot lately. I mean, she's just got a beautiful voice. It'd be fun to try to keep up with her. And um, yeah, I don't know. Very cool. And so, t- uh, tell me a little bit more about um, the new album and what you know, wh- how it's kind of different from Pure Fiction. What I think this new album is really soulful, actually, and and kind of modern, and and. Um, I think it'll feel different than Pure Fiction. I think in some ways it's a little bit more of a return to my first album, Sounds Like This, which was kind of more soul-driven. And there's just a lot of big background vocals. And I got these great um, like R&B singers to come in. And it's just, um, I really loved working on it. You know, I produced it myself for the first time, which was, again, that sort of goes back to my Sounds Like This time where it just felt really like, I got to figure this out and no one else is going to do it for me. And, and I feel like, musically that made me rise to the occasion which was um exciting 
Are, are there any shows that you're like binge watching? Do you, do you do that? I just watched Catastrophe on Amazon, which is a really cool one. It's uh, Rob Delaney. It's only six episodes. It's really funny. And uh, I love BoJack Horseman on Netflix. Really, really good. It's like funny, but also deep. And uh, I watched the first season on my last tour. And then this this time around, I watched the second season. And I'll probably watch it again. It goes by really quickly. Yeah, I need to check that out. I watched like the first episode or two, but I didn't. It takes a minute. It's yeah. like it starts off a little slow, and you're like, this is kind of goofy, but then it really like settles in, and it's got a lot to say, actually. I like a lot of the people that put it together, so I really mm-hmm. just need to have faith in their work. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> and sit down and, you know, and do some binge-watching mm-hmm. with it. So, um, so cool. So, um, Eric, what do you have planned for the show tonight for, for folks? Just... Uh, good time for all you know if this is an interesting i don't normally like playing seated venues because i think people's energy level gets kind of low and i was a little nervous last time we played here and we had such a fan a fun energetic show that i was excited to come back i think the mixture of having wine everywhere and and tonight being a saturday night i think you know we're going to get a fun crowd and and um we're just going to do the show we always do which is just high energy and i'm very sweaty by the end of it and um you know it's just fun you last time you were here, you accomplished something that's really hard in a venue like this. You got people off their feet, you got them dancing, you got in the crowd, you didn't, you know, and really dance with them and everything. And it's, yeah, that was fun. It's a it's an interesting atmosphere, this uh, city winery. Well, it's cool because we're you know with the Kelly tour, we're playing for ten thousand plus people a night, so it's kind of fun to then get to come in here and do an intimate show and actually, rather than be annoyed by that, take advantage of how small the room is and get to do some things we can't do in a massive staple center kind of place or something like that is there a way you like vocally kind of prepare differently for a show in, in an arena or an amphitheater no i think you know i sing the same way no matter what which is i just put everything i can into it yeah, very cool well, eric thank you for taking the time today. absolutely thank you it. this was fun that was the interview with eric hutchinson thank you thank you thank you eric for doing the interview for concert pipeline again really really awesome of you to to do that um and uh, and you put on such a great show as well. Sold out uh, the show at City Winery and um, had a really excited crowd. I mean, that venue, City Winery, um, I've talked about it before on the podcast, but it's it's going to be closing at the end of the year, and um, it's kind of an awkward venue of sorts. The, uh, the stage is obviously at the back, and then you have four or five rows of seats that go all the way to the back of the venue and so uh, each table has four seats to it and so you're kind of sitting with or across from people that you um, don't you know know a lot of the times and uh, and they kind of push dinner on you a little bit and so it's it's a little uh, it's a little difficult room to um, to kind of sell and he and they sold it out and he not not only that he um, got up and uh, I mean he gets everybody up and dancing and uh, out of their seats which um, in that sort of venue is a true testament to putting on a great great show so so hats off to him for that um, let's play a couple more songs from uh, Eric Hutchinson's set that night um, and um, so we're gonna play breakdown more and uh, and oh with food chain here it is <laughs> Oh 
Hutchinson and you're listening to Concert Pipeline. Lucky you.
Alrighty, it is time for uh, Joe's favorite segment, um, as he'd say, the only segment, Music News. There are a lot of really interesting stories um, in the music news this week, so I got a small handful of stories, and um, and first off, let's start out with a couple of um, disgruntled kind of musicians, old rock musicians, I guess you can say, that uh, um, are a little too over the top. Um, uh, so the first story is about Bill Ward and uh, from Black Sabbath. He's the drummer of Black Sabbath, and he's described Black Sabbath's latest album, 13, as a pile of shit. <laughs> The estranged uh, Sabbath drummer didn't play on the 2013 record, having failed to agree on the contract he was offered. Frontman Ozzy Osbourne, however, blamed Ward's absence on the uh, Stickman's health issues. Raged Against the Machines, Brad Wilk uh, was behind the kit for the album. And Ward said he had to distance himself from the band after the fallout, with one tactic being to totally dismiss the album that was created without him. Ward, who remained locked in a war of war words uh, with Osbourne, tells the Eddie Trunk podcast via Blabbermouth, uh, I wasn't interested in the fucking album, 13. Uh, I've heard 20 bars of it. That's all I've heard. And then I turned it off and said, that's a pile of shit, and that's the truth. Uh, I wanted to make sure that I went down the line and detached myself as much as possible. I had to stop loving them, because if you're loving a dog and it's biting you and ripping your insides out, it's hard to love a dog doing that. Okay, Bill Ward, you're an old grumpy man. I'm just going to say it, right? Um he said himself he didn't even listen to the album and uh and he blew uh, blew it off so i've i find it hard to just um describe something as a piece of shit if you haven't really listened to it you got to give it it's just desserts and especially if it's a band that you're in come on bill you have an hour to sit down and listen to the album give it a listen listen to it twice uh i mean you just don't judge something because you're uh because you weren't um, a part of it. I mean, it's just ridiculous. It's old and grumpy, and um, and you need to move on. So you shouldn't even be commenting on that sort of thing. I, I know uh, um, him saying that on a podcast obviously got it um, got it out that he, that that's his opinion about it. But but that's ridiculous. And so in a separate story, um, after the the criticism, um, he. Um, he came. He says that those comments were taken out of context. And so on his Rock 50 show, he reports, I really, really love those guys. I'm so passionate in my love for them. They are fantastic musicians. I never faulted their musicianship, ever. I, I've played with these guys since I was a teenager, and I love them. Uh, I'm in a dispute with them. He continues, let's go back to 13 for a second so I can make it clear for the record. I heard about 24 bars of one track, and I just didn't like it at all. Uh, and I have that right not, uh, to not like it. I haven't heard the rest of the album. I feel it would be quite painful to listen to, not musically, but emotionally. It's quite painful to listen to something that you wanted to be a part of, but were unable to be a part of because I'm fighting for some principles in my life. Oh, Bill. Bill. Yeah, so you uh, really... Uh, you, you pulled your head out of your ass on that one a little bit? No, no not really. Um, you're, it, it, I mean, he's coming, he's just, he got a lot of flack for it, obviously, his comments, and he's saying it's taken out of context. I don't think he understands what taken out of context means, because saying something is a pile of shit is not taken out of context. That's pretty descriptive uh, verbiage uh, for your thoughts on um, an album. 
that you didn't even listen to. And so just say, hey, I haven't given it a listen yet. It's difficult for me to listen to that because of my own personal detachment from the band. Um, and, you know, hey, I wasn't able to come to terms with the agreement that was brought to me. You know, the money wasn't right or whatever it was that um, drew him away from wanting to participate in the, um, in the album. And leave it at that. That's all it is. But calling it a piece of shit is not taking something out of context. That is very well in context, and it's exactly what you said. And you can't, you know, back out of that uh, that comment, you know, by saying it's taken out of context. That's my opinion, as a concert pipeline host, which I'm allowed to have. So, yeah, there you go, Bill Ward. Um, let's uh, let's talk about one other disgruntled ex musician of a band, and that is Dave Mustaine. Um, he uh, says he'd be honored if Metallica asked him to rejoin the band, but he'd refuse the invitation. The Me- Megadeth main uh, man formed his own quarter of Thrash's Big Four after being fired in 1983, um, and uh, they finally resolved their differences in time to appear on stage together in 2010 and on a handful of occasions afterwards. Mustaine was asked on Twitter, would you come back to Metallica if James asked you to do it? And first off, is that the forum where you're going to be answering these questions that are um, that are going to be so uh, distributed? Is Twitter is how you're going to answer that? Um, he said, uh, I'd be honored, but I would not, um, and asked whether he'd consider co-writing a song with James Hetfield from Metallica and Lars Ulrich. He said, nice try, uh, and asked to describe Ulrich in one word. He responded, friend. Oh, that's good. Well, he's still friends with the guys. He just doesn't want anything to do with uh, um, recording and um, moving forward in in their band, which I don't think he's invited to do anyway, so I think it's really a non-topic. So um, no Dave Mustaine in uh, in Metallica anytime soon. So let's uh, go from Metallica and uh, Megadeth to Iron Maiden, some other uh, metal music here that's an awesome metal band. So... Um, Iron Maiden frontman Bruce Dickinson says that the band have a song in their forthcoming album, The Book of Souls, that was inspired by the late Robin Williams. My favorite song is one I didn't write, Dickinson tells Courier De La Sera. It's Tears of a Clown, which talks about Robin Williams. Uh, I ask myself how he could be so depressed when he always seemed to be so happy. Williams committed suicide in his California home on August 11, 2014, as everyone knows. Um, it's crazy that it's actually been over a year at this point now. It's just crazy to think about. Um, after a long history of depression and health problems, and so co-written by guitarist Adrian Smith and bassist Steve Harris, um, Tears of a Clown will appear on their uh, first ever double studio album by Iron Maiden. Um, and it's interesting. That's not the first song to come out about Robin Williams after his death. Um, I, I also There's a song called Robin Williams um, by CeeLo, and it's very kind of unlistenable. It's not great. Uh, I'm a CeeLo fan. I, I like uh, um, I like his work. I like his solo stuff. And um, and of course, Narles Barkley is is great. But that uh, that song just needed a little something more to, for me. So if we're gonna do a song that's tributing to someone so great, let's kind of make the music um, for that great. My opinion again, concert pipeline host. Um, so. Um, two more stories for you in the music news today. Um, and the first is um, about Judas Priest. Um, Rob Halford has recalled the tension and sadness of appearing in court after Judas Priest were accused of encouraging two fans to form a suicide pact in 1985. 
Legal action was launched after Raymond Belknap, 18, and James Vance, 20, shot themselves in Nevada following a night of drinking, taking drugs, and listening to the band's albums. Belknap died instantly while Vance lived for three years with major injuries. Vance and his family allege that Priest's cover of Spooky Tooth, tracked Better By You, Better Than Me, included subliminal messages that, when played backwards, included the phrase, phrases, Try suicide, do it, and let's be dead. Priest attended court in 1990 while prosecutors attempted to prove that they've been inf uh, an influence in the shootings. The charges were dismissed 25 years ago this month. And uh, Halford tells Rolling Stone, it feels like it was just yesterday. I remember walking up uh, the steps of the courthouse and feeling the incredible fan support that we had every day. Uh, then there was just this tension and the sadness in the courthouse because at the heart of the matter were these two guys that lost their lives tragically. Um, these two boys were massive Priest fans that... Uh, made it, and that made it even more heart-wrenching that this terrible combination of the night and the drugs and the booze and their state of mind turned into something quite terrible. And he recall, recalls feeling baffled by some of the arguments he heard in court, adding, The trial shook us up because it came from a country that we love dearly. Nevertheless, it was a great opportunity for a band like Priest to show the judge and the public that, uh, that was clueless about metal, that we had a bunch of guys who could string sentences together, be logical and intelligent, and have a deep conversation. I think there was the misguided belief that that wasn't going to happen, but we're not idiots and we never will be. So 25 years later um, on that um, unfortunate event, um, it's always sad when that sort of thing happens and um, you got to uh, look back on that. So, And so the last story is going to be a, an, another little bit of a rant for me. Um, if you don't mind, just indulge me for a little bit if you don't mind. You don't mind, right? Um, so um, this is about Under Oath. So um, here's a story. Under Oath fans will have some more opportunities to see the recently reunite, reunited band as they have announced plans to launch their rebirth tour of North America next spring. The band originally announced that they would be reunite, reuniting to perform at the 2016 Self-Help Festival next March. Now the band have extended their plans to launch a tour where they will play their, uh, their only Chasing Safety and define the Great Line albums in their entirety. The Rebirth Tour will be kicking off on March 16th in St. Petersburg, Florida at Janus Live, and the trek is currently scheduled to uh, conclude uh, on April 23rd in Atlanta, Georgia at the Tabernacle. Uh, Tim uh, Matag had the following to say about the reunion tour. I think the thought of Under Earth playing again seemed really exciting. We never thought we'd ever even want to play together again, much less be ex uh, as excited to do so. It was really a cool feeling, and when discussing what this tour could be, it just felt right to play the two albums that our fans have held so dearly for so many years. Uh, I think it's going to be really special. So uh, Spencer Chamberlain added, uh, I hated the idea of Under the Oath being over, and I'm not sure what we are, but we're all friends again, and that really the most important thing. That being said, we felt like now is a great time to do a tour and celebrate uh, the and define the great line, Turning 10. I'm not an Under Oath fan. I don't care for him either way. Um, but uh, th what this story is missing is uh, the date that they separated, which was in 2013, which that means it hasn't even been two years. Joe and I have talked about uh, this on the podcast before and um, in reunions and how to make big money off of reunions and bands can go away for five years um, and make you think that, um, that they've broken up and will never get back together. And then five years later, when, um, when they get back together, they can sell out arenas or, um, amphitheaters or big, you know, big, much bigger venues. And they could even play when, when they were together, right? That's the way to do it. Take some time off and then make big money when you come back. 
But two years and you, uh, you, br you broke up and you're calling it a reunion. Why don't you just separate and just say, hey, we're, you know, we're good for a little while. You don't have to say the band's over or anything like that. And, uh, and then you can continue on um, when you're ready to get back together um, or, and do another album or another tour or whatever it is, right? But I, I just, just the, the fact that they s separated and broke up and now they're back together after two years is just, okay, it's a little soon, you know, in, in my opinion. I mean, if you say you're done, take a couple more years and sit on it. That's that's Steve Jones's from Concert Pipelines uh, thoughts on the matter. So, um, and on reunions in general, like it, you got to at least give it five years. Uh, I mean, if you say, I mean, you're you're making a lot of money off of, hey, this is the last tour for our band, and then you're making a lot of money off of, hey, we're back together. At least give it that five years. So, um, so yeah. Anyway, um, that is the music news for today, and really, that's our, our our episode of Concert Pipeline for today as well. So, again, super excited that um, um, Joe Wilson's here in Napa now, our our co-host who usually does the show with us um, and uh, brings all the funny. Uh, sorry if this episode wasn't funny enough, but it was uh, it was fun, and and again, a great honor to have Eric Hutchinson on the on the podcast. That was really a lot of uh, uh, fun for me, and it was enjoyable to get to sit down and talk to him for like 15 minutes um for someone that you're you know really a big fan of like that so uh, again next episode is going to be g love and special sauce um we're gonna talk to g love about a lot of great stuff in um the his going on in his life and uh, with his music and um and their uh, new album that's um that's going to be coming out and all that uh, greatness so that's coming up next time and uh, and then after that atlas genius so a couple of really great shows coming up um on the in the next couple of weeks so uh thank you for listening to concert pipeline today we're gonna play us out with uh eric hutchinson's big hit and that is uh rock and roll here it is i don't know what that means to play us out what does that mean to end the show yeah yeah all right go go in five four three
Thank you.